It's not like any other podcast coming to you straight from the heartland where investing is told like it is. It's time for Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hold on, because here comes the next episode of the Paranoid Banker Podcast. Hey there, Darren Garman here, and we're going to talk today about the investment pyramid. Okay, the investment pyramid. And not only are we going to talk about the investment pyramid in terms of how it relates to uh, multifamily ownership, multifamily investing, and this is whether you are uh, an active investor or a passive investor, it doesn't matter. Okay, so that doesn't matter. So we're going to talk about as it relates to multifamily, but the interesting correlation I'm going to be showing you later is how this pyramid pretty much is reflective of a lot of other things that I see and a lot of other things that I think you probably have seen too. Okay, but before we get to that part, let's talk about the multifamily investment pyramid. Okay, and we can even call it the investment real estate pyramid. I'll just put RIE here for investment real estate, MF for multifamily. Okay and investment real estate. So really the question is, where do you fit on this pyramid? Where are you at on this pyramid? Okay, because over, after about 30 years of this, uh, I can pretty much gauge where you are. Not you personally and specifically, but I can tell you where most everybody is at. Okay, so let's start at the top. So if you're at the top of the pyramid, you are in the 1%. And by the way, there is such a group of 1%, not only when it comes to investment real estate, multifamily specifically, but in like most everything else, we'll get to that here in just a little bit. But in terms of sticking with multifamily investing and you and where you fit in on this, the first place we're going to start is the 1%. And the 1% are those multifamily investors that have a net worth in the hundreds of millions, okay? Hundreds of millions into the billions, okay? These are the 1%. Again, the 1% exists. And these are the people that are, long story short, they're rich. They don't even need to buy any more real estate if they don't want to. I mean, they're mainly doing it for fun now, um, something to do, they enjoy it. And the interesting thing is these are people that hate the question of, well, how do you get up in the morning and how do you, you know, you don't have to and you can do whatever you want. Well, they love what they do. They love the challenge of being involved in it day after day, no matter what their age. And this is what they love doing. So they're at it. Hell, some of them work 60, 70 plus hours a week at this, and they're worth hundreds of millions of dollars because they love what they do, they love getting up, they love being involved, and they love the challenge of what every day brings them. Okay? So, the 1%, they're in the 100s, they've got a net worth from their real estate holdings, whether active or passive again, in the hundreds of millions of dollars into the billions of dollars. That's your 1%. They're rich. I mean, they're really rich. Okay? All right. Then you've got 4%. Okay? So we go 1%, then we go 4%. 
Now the 4% are those folks that have a net worth of anywhere from a million dollars to the tens of millions of dollars in investment real estate. Okay? Actually, this should be tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars in investment real estate. Okay, so remember the 1% is the hundreds of million, they're, they're worth $100 million or more, and their net worth and the large part of the net worth is attributed to investment real estate. That's the 1%. The 4% has a net worth of $10 million into the hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay, that's 4%. That's 4%, right there. So again, 4%, they got a net worth of $10 million into the hundreds of millions of dollars due to their active or passive involvement in investment real estate, okay? And then you've got your 1%, they've got net worths of hundreds of millions of dollars into the billions of dollars of investment real estate. So already we've covered 5%, but the scary part is we've covered only 5%. Well, the news gets even worse, kids, because then we've got 15% of investors, okay, real estate investors on the pyramid that have a net worth of anywhere from 500,000 to 10 million in real estate. That's 15%. Okay, so who are the 15%? The 15% are those folks that own maybe one or two properties, okay, themselves. Uh, maybe they're invested in one or two properties passively. Uh, all the way up to maybe they own 12, 14 properties. Uh, a lot of folks that fit into this category are what I call the mom and pop owners in certain cities and communities. You know, so the family might own six or seven apartment communities, maybe around a city or maybe around a part of a state, okay? You may be a passive investor. You may have ownership interest in seven, eight, or nine apartment communities passively, okay? And so you're in that 15%. So it's a lot of mom and pop operations, and it's a lot of serious passive investors too, uh, that maybe own multiple properties all the way down to maybe you own four eight-unit buildings yourself, right? Uh, maybe you own six 12-unit buildings yourself or maybe with a partner. So these are your owners right here that have a net worth. This is from their investment real estate properties now. This doesn't include their house. If they've got money in other investments, that's not counting that, counting just investment real estate. So they've got a net worth of $500,000 up to $10 million, and that, that represents about 15% of our pyramid. We've got 4% of our pyramid that has a net worth of $10 million to $100 million in investment real estate, all the way up to the 1%, again, that's got the, a net worth of $100 plus million into the billions of dollars. Okay? So, if you add these three up, okay, if you add these three up, you've got 20% of investors. You've got 20% of investors. Okay? Where is the other 80%? 
So now you've got 80% of multifamily investors, owners, right here. Who in the hell are the 80%? It's very simple. It's very easy. Let me ask you a question. I'll ask you. Answer this question. Who is the other 80%? Who do you think it is? Well, if you said the people that never end up doing anything, you're right. These are the people that end up don't doing nothing. They never invest. And the sad part of this 80% is almost all of the 80% has probably read books, has probably listens to, listened to podcasts, has probably inquired about properties for sale, has probably done the spreadsheet analysis, has probably done just about everything they can do except pull the frickin' trigger and buy and invest. That's pretty much who the 80% are. Okay? And the sad part of the 80% is they think they're doing something. They think they're doing something. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the pyramid. 1%, 4%, 15%, So the first thing before I go into the 80% is you need to be thinking about where in the hell you're at on this investment pyramid. Where are you at? Where are you? I mean, you know right now. You know exactly where you're at. So the 80%. Let's talk about a couple of examples of the 80%. Let's talk active, a couple active investor um, examples and maybe one or two passive investor examples, okay? So as you know, we have a active real estate brokerage business. So our company still does a lot of selling multifamily properties for owners um, and, and, and helping buyers, investors, own their own multifamily properties. And these are mainly active investors. So they're actively owning, running their properties. They decide they want to sell, so they call us to sell the properties for them, and we bring in another active owner to buy the property for them. Okay? four-unit buildings, eight-unit, 12-unit, 24-unit buildings, that kind of thing. Okay? So, uh, I want to talk to you guys about a guy by the name of Merv. Merv. Okay? Merv was a guy that would contact our offices, contact me, contact some of our other agents, and he would basically want to go look at a bunch of properties because he's interested in buying. Interested in buying. Really wants to buy. And in this case, he wanted to buy a four to an eight unit property. Okay? He had enough capital. He had enough money to buy a four to an eight unit property. Wanted to get into a four to eight unit property. Okay? So, on one occasion, I am with Merv and we're looking at a four-unit property. He's inspecting it. He's seen the numbers. Numbers look great. 
He's seen the location, been on the exterior. He's, everything so far is fine. Now we're inside inspecting a couple of the units so he can get an idea of what they look like. Okay? So as we're inside this property, Merv is feeling the drywall. And he's looking up and down the drywall. I'm wondering, is, what's going on? What the hell is happening here? Right? So I said, oh, what are you doing? Well, I'm seeing if there's if 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 if, if there's any been any settling in the building. Okay, all right. Um, so as we went through the unit, he did a real thorough look at the mechanical systems, which would be furnace, air conditioner. You know, they're about 15 years old. They're going to probably need to be replaced pretty soon. Okay, all right. Um, we go outside, we walk around the building, and one side of the building would get a lot of sun versus the other three sides of the building. And so some of the maintenance-free vinyl siding was a little bit faded compared to the other side. Well, Merv didn't like that either. Man, um, that siding kind of fades a lot on that side of the building. So he kept coming up with reasons and reasons and reasons to do what? Not buy. This is despite the fact that the property produced a 12% cash on cash return, had long term tenants, and would have been easy to own and easy to manage. Very easy. This went on with Merv for four years. Every two or three months, he'd call me, he'd call one of our agents, he'd get a hold of somebody, and he'd want to go look at these buildings that met his criteria. Merv, at the end of the day, never purchased anything. Didn't do anything. Why? Because he felt like he was doing something. He went and he looked, he analyzed, he checked things out, but at the end of the day, just never did anything. Here's another example. So right now, as I'm recording this, we have a five-unit building for sale. Five units. This property has been fully updated over the last two years. So every single unit has been updated. So when you go into this property, arguably, you don't have any work to do. I don't know about you, but I love to go into a multifamily property, especially as an active owner, and I don't have to worry about all the work I've got to do. Okay? Units, heating system, exterior fully painted two years ago, new roof two years ago. I mean, it's kind of a boring property. Well, this boring property produces a 15%, and this is real, guys. This is not BS. A 15% cash-on-cash return. 15%. Fully occupied. So let me ask you just a, a quick question. Does it get much better as a multifamily owner or investor, whether you're active or passive, by the way, to have a fully occupied building with occupancy track record going back for years and having a real double-digit return like this going on going into the property at the asking price. So this isn't even counting getting the property for maybe even a little bit less than the asking price. Right? So, this last week, I've had 
31 inquiries on this property. 31. Just this last week. It's priced at $114,000. Price is $114,000, 15% cash on cash, 31 inquiries, 5 units, fully occupied, fully updated property. 31 inquiries. How many of these 31 inquiries, after they've inquired, after they've reviewed all of the current information, have said, hey, I want to pull the trigger and make an offer on this property? Wow. How many? Zero. Zero. Why? Because they're part of the 80%. Because they believe that they're doing something. They're requesting information. They're reviewing the financials. All of a sudden, holy shit, I actually have a property that is actually really good. Now what do I do? Oh, well, I probably, I probably can't, you know. And, and then they don't do anything. Now, I understand in some of these 31... Okay, there may be folks that are just getting started. Maybe they, maybe there's a good reason. Okay, maybe this is the first property they've looked at. Maybe they didn't like the age of. Maybe there's a good reason. There could be. But really, out of 31, 15% cash on cash, fully occupied five-unit property, zero people wanting to make an offer. Why? Because they're content on being the 80%. Now, let's talk about passive investors. It's really kind of the same thing. And I want to tell you a little trick that I do um, with passive investors. Okay, So I'll have a passive investor get in touch with me, and they'll basically give me their criteria you know, what they're looking for, whether it's IRA, 401k money or not. You know, they give me kind of an idea of what they want and what they're looking for. We go through a process of getting all those questions answered. So at the end of the day, we have a qualified investor that's ready to go with either regular money or IRA money. So here's, the, here's what I do. I will then send them an opportunity that meets their criteria. Okay? Meets their criteria. So let's say it's an investor that says, you know, I'd really like to have something for about five to seven years for my IRA. I'd like about an eight to a 12% return if I can get it. Uh, I plan on owning it maybe five to eight years, maybe longer. Um, and if it's, a, if it's a multifamily property, I'd prefer something that was maybe built at least 2000 or you know, or older, um, good location, all that. So here's what I'll do. After we've gone over all that, I'll send them the exact property that meets their criteria. I'll send it to them. And I see what they do. I see what they do. So if they tell me, A, you know what, Darren, that meets my criteria. Um, let's talk more. Let's dig deeper. I want to know more. 
at the end of the day, I'm going to want to know if I can get involved in this property. Okay? Great. Not a surprise so far, right? Then there'll be others that will say, well, it does not meet our criteria for some reason. Does not meet our criteria for some reason. Okay? And this is after they've already given me their criteria and we've met it. We've actually exceeded it. Well, you know, it doesn't really meet my criteria. Um, you know, right now, I, I just don't know if that's really the property for us. And by the way, this, this happens all the time. So, what do I end up doing? These people then go into the 80% bucket, and these people end up going in the 20% bucket. And that doesn't mean that we totally ignore these people. We just, we, we don't do that. We'll still stay in touch with them. But now we know where they are on the multifamily investment pyramid. Now we know. And there's really no wrong answer here. It's just a matter of factual information. And so the 80% always end up not doing anything, always end up staying on our list, looking at other opportunities, coming up with reasons why they probably shouldn't, um, one reason after another, and this is after constantly having projects that meet their criteria. Okay? So, what can you take from what I've just given you with this investment pyramid? Well, actually, a couple things. The first thing I don't want you to take is I don't, I'm not bitching or complaining. So that's not my point here at all. I want you to understand that. I'm just giving you the real-world facts based on real information. Because this is what we do, what I do every day. And I mean every day. Right? Here's where it is. Where are you on this pyramid? And part two of that is where are you as an active investor? Are you actually out looking, wanting to get something and finally pull the trigger on something to own? Run it, manage it, landlord it, do what you need to do, grow your empire? Same with the passive investor, okay? Same with you. Are you looking at properties meeting your criteria where you know you should be pulling the trigger and then you never do anything? I have I can't tell you how many of these guys I have. It's almost like they'll contact me after, I don't know, seven, eight years with me. They've not done anything. They keep passing and passing and passing, never doing anything except two things. Number one, they're being entertained. They're being entertained. And number two, they think they're doing something when at the end of the day, they're not. So, the question for you then is this. Again, where are you on the investment pyramid, and what are you going to do about it? So, are you in the 80%, and now I'm kind of calling you out here, and you need, to re you need to be thinking about finally pulling the trigger and doing something? Um, or are you in the 15% and you and now you're kind of identifying, God, there's probably some things I need to do to get up into that 4%. And maybe you're in that 4% world and now I gotta, there's some things I got to do to get up in that 
Again, no wrong answers. But I just told you where you're at. And it really depends if you want to be on the bottom of the pyramid or the top of the pyramid. Okay? Now, before we leave this little pyramid I've made here, I told you in the beginning of this podcast, I was going to tell you and show you how this relates to just about everything. So let's do that. Let's make another pyramid here. Okay, here's another pyramid. We've got 1%, we got 4%, we got 15%, and we probably got most everybody else. Okay? This is the case with most everything. Pretty much. So let's talk about income and net worth. Net worth, income. Right here. 1%, $100 million plus into the billions. 4%, tens of millions into the hundreds of millions. 15%, half a million dollars into the millions of dollars. 80%, everybody under a million. And by the way, that 80% is probably close to everybody under like half a million when it comes to net worth. Because actually when it comes to net worth and income, these numbers are actually a little bit bigger than where they really are. I mean, it's actually, this is probably 90, this is probably 10, this is probably two, and that's probably one. Okay, how about those that um, want to be professional athletes? Okay. You've got, a, you've got a son, daughter, uh, grandson, granddaughter. You've got a buddy of yours. The, you know, they're talking about being a professional athlete. Same kind of pyramid. 1% make it to the big time. 4% don't make it to the big time. Maybe they make it to um, tryout squad. Maybe they make the practice squad. You know, maybe they're at least kind of involved in it somewhere. Maybe 15% of them actually play at the collegiate level somewhere. Okay, maybe they're good enough to play college ball, football, baseball, basketball, swimming, whatever sport. Let's just say at the collegiate level, 80% they don't. 80% they don't. Okay, so how about, um, how about health? As I'm recording this, health is a real big deal now, isn't it? With the pandemic going around, they're still existing among us, right? Again, 1% of us probably, boom, that uh, virus, we don't even know we got it. 4%, yeah, we may feel maybe a day, day and a half, maybe we don't feel that great, but boom, it's gone. 15%, um, yeah, maybe we're sick for two or three days, but that's about it. Then 80%, they're, they're going to feel it for a long time. And in some cases, they may not do well at all. Why? Because most of these folks are in terrible shape, health-wise. They got conditions, pre-existing conditions, whatever, we can go down the list. You got these folks that are actually in pretty good condition, these folks that are in really good condition, and these folks that are in excellent physical health. Same kind of thing. So I won't keep going over list by list by list here, but I want you to look at this pyramid, because as I was putting this together, 
for the podcast and, you know, relating and hitting all the numbers and going over all the figures and coming up with those percentages on this pyramid, it was really interesting to me how when I look at other things, many other things, you know, who's really, really, really good? Who's excellent? Who's pretty good? And who's kind of, you know, average or below in a lot of things? Just very, very interesting. And so why did I show this to you and go off the track with multifamily? Only because I spend a lot of time talking with people about other stuff. You know, I'm not just talking with people only about, you know, investing in multifamily. A lot of times family things come up, personal things come up, career things come up, businesses own come up, what's going on in their businesses comes up. I mean, a lot of that stuff comes up. And it's interesting how, with whatever we're talking about, where everybody fits in this pyramid in different areas of their lives, right? So health-wise, where are you in this pyramid, right? Financially, bank account-wise, where are you in this pyramid, okay? Um, uh, Relationship-wise, you know, with... Uh, you know, loved ones, spouses, kids, grandkids, where are you in this pyramid? You know, and then there's like spirituality, right? So where are you spiritual? I mean, where are you? And it's interesting, I think this applies to like most, not everything, and not specifically exact, but pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. So what have we covered on this podcast this week? Well, a couple of interesting things. Number one, I showed you where, I showed you the multifamily investment pyramid, and you have an idea now where you sit on that pyramid, all right? And now it's up to you to decide whether you're happy where you're at, uh, you got improvements to make, whatever, okay? So now you know where you're at there, but how it also applies to so many other things. Interesting, I think. Okay, how a pyramid like this could not only be um, a pretty good benchmark for where you are from a multifamily investment standpoint, but also from a where you are in a lot of other things in your life standpoint. Okay, so I appreciate you being with me on this week's podcast. Whenever you've listened, however you've joined or watched this week, I appreciate it. Have a great day, have a great week or weekend whenever you've listened to me. And, of course, we will talk to you later. All right, see you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com. Thanks for joining Darren Garman's Paranoid Banker Podcast. For investment questions, comments, or to get in touch with Darren, go to www.garmanblog.com.